0: Hi friends, uh, you are in the Heart and Hustle podcast, but we have a little bonus episode for you.
1: Yeah, so this is an episode that we recorded about two weeks ago. We're just bringing it to you now because there are a little bit of technical difficulties on the scenes, but it is fantastic. It's a great episode. You're going to learn so much. We, again, have gotten the chance to dive into an industry that neither of us know anything about. Um, and that is one of the reasons that I love I've loved doing this for the past five years because we get to learn so much from so many industry leaders. So check it out. You guys are going to love it. Get her pencil and paper
0: because you're gonna want to take that. All right, hey thank guys. you guys. See you next podcast. week. I am Yard.
1: I am Charisma O'Keefe and we are here every Thursday talking about business and balance and dreaming big and working hard and repeating and hashtag boss so hard um we've been doing this for about five years if you are new around these parts don't know why i sound like a cowboy um but yeah we are happy that you are here with us today and yeah we're just making it through 2020 somehow
0: somehow, this is <laughs> cue, somehow the key some word way. here is somehow, somehow every day some way, every
1: day um yeah so we're we're into october i i'm shocked i can't i actually think that like sometime in december like when we have a little bit more time i'm gonna go back and listen to podcasts from this year because like from our i never listen to our episodes after they're done because as if you've been listening for a while you know i hate hearing my own voice um but i think i'm going to because i feel like it's almost been like a journal of sorts because we really haven't like skipped weeks and stuff and through the worst of it we're recording and i i kind of want to go back and hear what that was about (laughs) because i feel like i don't remember (laughs)
0: I'm okay. (laughs) You're
1: like, I'm done. I edited it. So I already heard it again.
0: (laughs) I'm all right. I don't even even need to know. So uh, we have some listener questions that we would like to answer. So So, yeah. Um, If you ever have listener questions, you can
1: go ahead and send them in the easiest way is probably Instagram. Sometimes I'll ask for them, but you can send them whenever. Sometimes people will just slide into our DMs and ask. So ask whenever you feel like it. That's totally fine. So our first listener question today is, how can I turn down a client without creating a problem for my business? Um, So without knowing why you're turning down the client, I'm going to hope that it's for like a good and not prejudiced reason. So I'm just going to throw that out there (laughs) first and foremost. Like if you're turning them down because of something like that has to do with religion or sexuality or race or something like that, then this is probably not the place for you. Um, so just buy, but if you're turning them down for a good reason, like maybe you guys just have really different styles and you know, it's not going to be like a good working relationship. Um, maybe you're just too overloaded and you don't think that you can deliver on a project so large at this point in time. I think that honestly the best way to do it without creating a problem for your business is to tell them the truth. Um, obviously like you can sugarcoat it if need be, but let's just say that like you really like people that are very organized, very on top of things. And this person is like super scattered and you know, you're going to have to kind of like hound them for deadlines and stuff like that. Um, and that's just not your jam and how you work. Um, just let them know like, Hey, actually, you know, right now, like I'm pretty booked up and I think that our styles are really, really different, but I think that you would work really well with these people and then give them like an example of some other peers that you have in your industry that you think are going to be people that are going to work better with that person. I would say that that's the best way for me. Like uh, there's times where I don't work with clients when it's just something that it's like a, I don't offer because people come to me all the time and will ask me to do things that like I've never told anyone that I do or can do. Um, so I get that a lot. And then also when it's just something that I know like our styles are not going to be good. Like for me, especially when it comes to like branding clients and social media clients, like I know that if they're like super corporate-y it's not going to be a good fit, especially by the fact that I just said corporate-y. So like (laughs) that is somebody that I would send like your way or to Bobby or like to someone else that might have some similar or overlapping services, Um, because I know that it's just like not going to be a good fit. Like I know my ideal client and it's going to be like somebody that is probably either, um, you know, like a bubbly happy type or someone who is unsure and is like kind of a little bit of a mess and is like needing kind of that extra helping hand. Like that is the type of client that I do like to work with. Um, not that I mind an organized client, but I just like people that are normally like the face of their brand, that they're very like involved in their brand, that they're probably going to be talking to their customers directly or their clients directly a lot. So that's going to be like someone who's going to be a good fit for me. And if they don't fit into that narrative, it doesn't mean that it's definitely going to be a no. But a lot of times it is because it's like, why not work with my ideal uh, client and why not send work um, to other people, especially knowing that it's going to be an overall better fit for that that particular individual, that client, you know? So that would be my advice.
0: I think that piggybacking of what you just said, that was going to be my thing. Have a referral list and refer them to someone else. If they're a terrible person, then pretend that no one exists just no one no (laughs) No one one exists No one exists. i don't have anyone that can assist with you but i wish you best on your endeavors and keep it moving
1: yeah and i think in a lot of times like i know at least in the photography industry there are people that you know just really need work um and so they'll sit like sometimes you can go into a group where maybe it's like we have like a local orlando photography group and people will go in there and say like hey this is like what the person wrote in this email. They do seem kind of difficult. Is anybody willing to take something like this on? And somebody who maybe like isn't uh, booking the most right now might be like, yeah, that does. Thanks for the red flag. Heads up. I'll, I'll go ahead and, and take this one for the team. So, you know, find like, you know, your local people, like in addition, yeah, like have that list and, you know, have your list of go to's, but also like reach out to like the, I guess, wider group as a whole and, and be willing to, you know, see if it's because it's like a red flag thing, but hopefully it's just, you know, something simple that's just like, they're not the right fit because, you know, that's, that's why we have specific brands because we're not meant to, to be for everyone, which is completely understandable.
0: So our second question is, how do I know what to outsource? And I think um, this is a fun question because most people do this too quickly and <laughs> they're not prepared and they're not ready. So first of all, before you talk about outsourcing anything, Are you prepared to handle the client communication and management between multiple parties outside of just yourself? And if you're not ready for that, and it's going to falter your communication with the client who's ordering a service from you, then you're not ready. Um, If you are ready, you're excited, you're ready to go. One thing I will look at more than anything is look at financially, are you in a place where you can outsource? Because a lot of people look to hire people to outsource things. Who whose rates are very similar and when you don't want, that's how you lose money. Um, if you're gonna hire someone and outsource to someone, you typically would outsource somebody whose rates are a little bit lower than yours just because you want to make a profit on this aforementioned project. If you have a lot of projects coming in at a lower rate, then that's not an opportunity to say, hey, I'm gonna outsource so if you're charging. $25 an hour for projects and you have a hundred people coming in and you're like, oh, I'm overwhelmed. What you need to do is raise your rates. It's not that you're overwhelmed because you're so booked and busy. It's because you're cheap, uh, you know, <laughs> and that's just the reality of it. And it doesn't matter how much you sleep. out or somebody who's making to charge you $20 an hour, now you're only making $5, you know, an hour off of that project. It doesn't make sense. So Your money, your rate, your, you know, your your whole financial situation is, is not working out. So that's one red flag. Uh, but if you are at a place where you are ready to genuinely outsource, uh, what to outsource is the thing that you spend the least amount of time on a lot of times, but it takes up a large percentage of your business. So anything that's kind of, that can be automated, but has not been automated, or you would like to automate, but in a process where you have a personal touch. A lot of times I always say admin work, because that typically falls in that category. Most people don't like to do the admin work, especially creative entrepreneurs. I would 100% outsource those things first to like a virtual assistant or an admin assistant, an executive assistant, whatever the title is that you so choose your editor. A lot of times for photography work, that may be a thing that's cumbersome for you and takes up a lot of time, but it's not the majority of what, why people, but you know what I mean? Like it's not a signature style that you so have so much that you can't outsource it out to someone else who has a similar style of editing. So those types of things, just figure out the thing that you that's becoming a bane to you that you don't like like uh you know as a full service kind of branding studio we don't do 100 like we don't write any copy we're always going to outsource copy i don't want to write copy i have no interest in writing copy it's not fun for me um <laughs> so that type of thing just understanding what is a part of your business and a part of your process but it's something that would take you too much time would be my advice to kind of look at what you're trying to outsource
1: yeah i completely agree like Pretty much looking at your time, your finances, you know, those are going to be those top um, things to check when you're thinking about outsourcing. I think that if you have both of those like in your favor and everything is lined up, also like what you like and dislike and what you want to spend your time on can be, you know, a thing. I know when I was doing weddings full time, I was really, really over the idea of editing the um, the reception I was just like, I just don't need to edit the reception. I've edited a lot of receptions and it's a lot of kind of the same thing. And I had a very specific style. So I was able to teach um, an editor my specific style and be like, can you edit the reception in the style? But I never wanted them to edit like key moments of the day um especially like the bride and groom portraits and pretty much the ceremony and you know cuz i was just like i just wanted that creative control over it so Yeah, that definitely like be, be aware that like you can ask someone to do part of it and not all of it. Cause I didn't outsource for a really long time because I was just like, I can't give up creative control. And then someone's like, okay, well, just have them do like some of it and not all of it. And I was like, Oh, that makes sense. Um, so like, you know, consider that and same thing like with, with administration and and things like that. Like if you're like, okay, well, you know, I kind of want to have my hand in some of the administration because maybe you just feel like you want to make sure you can do it or know what's going on or whatever. uh, But you need a little bit of help getting it together. um, Then, you know, kind of like look at it that way. But yeah, basically, pretty much like we said, look at your time, look at your finances and and see what you can outsource based off of those two things first. Um, But yeah, outsourcing is definitely great, especially if it gives you time, like more time in your day to have, whether it be for other business or to relax or to sleep. I'm very big on sleep, as we all know, um, to just take care of yourself to spend with friends and loved ones, whatever it is that you want to spend your time doing anytime that you can get time back. Like that's a non-renewable resource. So I'm very big on, you know, reclaiming my time. So, uh, and our third listener question is what do I do if my spouse is not supportive of my business?
0: how fun
1: that that'll say that's wild (laughs) um okay so this is so hard because it's like i would just again kind of like with that first question i just want to throw out there like if you have decided like let's say that you have a mortgage and you have five kids and you are a lawyer and then you wake up one day and you're like, I have quit law and I'm going to go sell balloons on the side of the road. So if you're in that position and your spouse isn't supportive of your business, then yeah, like you probably might want to rethink things. But if you have a solid business plan, if you're passionate about something and you've shown a skill in that area, if there's a need in your market, like if you've done your research on these things, you have a good product or a good service and they're not being supportive um, I don't know if I really know what to say. Like, I don't want to like tear apart someone's marriage. Uh, but yeah. the difference
0: between you and I just now.
1: Yeah, it's just <laughs> if like <laughs> that, that's yeah, no. I mean, know. that's that's I mean, that's that's kind of what my thought process would be. Is just like I don't know. To me, it's like my business is such a big part of my identity. Like being an entrepreneur is such a big part of my identity. So. Uh, If John didn't support like me being an entrepreneur, I feel like he just wouldn't support me as a person. Um, I have seen this come up, unfortunately in like private entrepreneur groups and stuff um, where people have been in this situation a lot. And, you know, honestly, like when they describe, like, I don't know what this person's situation is, but when they describe their marriages, like normally when we're in these groups, uh, it doesn't sound gr- like a great marriage to be in. It doesn't sound like fun. Um, so I would say, I guess, like life is short and maybe have some conversations about what it is that you're looking to get out of this marriage and what you think a partnership should be and what they think a partnership should be and make sure that you're on the same page. Because if you're supporting their career, then I don't know why they couldn't support yours back.
0: And I mean this in like a sustainable way because there, yeah, there's examples, but if you have a sustainable business or something that is profitable, and I'm not saying that your spouse should not support your business if it's not profitable, but a lot of the times this is what happens. Uh, If you are, uh, first of all, I'm going to be real mean and I don't, Care who cares? There are people who make hundreds of thousands of dollars with these types of businesses, and that's good for you. An MLM is not a business. Um, you are a part. You are not. You're an employee. You are a contractor in a larger business. So if you approach your spouse and say, "Hey, I have a great business opportunity. It costs ten thousand dollars to buy in, but once we sell it, and I invite two or three or four or five of my friends to get involved, da da da, and then we'll be, re- you know, like that type of thing." If your spouse is questioning the validity, of the company and wanting information and you can't provide the information, then you can't be upset. That's not a spouse not supporting you. That's a spouse being realistic about the financial state of your your institution. If you guys are, are married or whatever, you have a long-term partnership and you've agreed to share finances. Because if you haven't agreed to share finances and you guys aren't sharing finances at all, so I don't I don't know why your spouse would care what you do with your money. Do what you want. Um, because that's that's also a thing. Not everyone shares finances in their partnerships or their or their marriages. A lot of people split their money and keep it separate. But if you are in a shared situation, if you have assets, children, things that tie you together, that bind you together, you just need to be on the same page about financially how things are working with your business. And if you're doing well and the person you are in a relationship with or you know the person who lives in your house is being negative or doubting you or, or being, uh, you know, gaslighting you about things that are happening and you have people who are around you, your support, other support system, hopefully you have one that are pointing that out to you and letting you know that you're in a situation that is possibly abusive. And then that's when you start to proceed and say, Hey, we need to have a conversation about this. Let's a therapist. And if things aren't getting better, then it's time to, to cut your losses. There's just so many levels. So there's no right or wrong answer here because there's so many, different variables that could affect a decision like this, but I will say um, not having someone in your life who is supportive of you and your endeavors, regardless of if they're entrepreneurship or career, or like whatever it is that you do, if your heart's on the thing that's good for you, I mean, and I really mean good for you, not just because it's, you like to do it, um, you know, someone who's enabling you to make healthy choices that are good for you and in, in your well-being, and you're not with somebody who doesn't support those things, and that person's not the person for you and this comes up a lot especially in some of the like powerlifting groups that i'm in because spouses tend to uh in cisgendered you know heterosexual relationships the uh, male spouse tends to negate the work of a a female or a female identifying person who's into strength training and into muscle bodybuilding that type of thing because it takes away their femininity or the viewpoint that they get of what femininity is And this happens a lot. And so a lot of the advice in those groups can be all over the place in which it's like, don't leave you just put the weights down, girl. And the other thing is like, this person's really bad. So it's just like, you know, I don't think there's a blanket answer for those types of things. But I will say if those signs are there, the person is actually uh, hurting you in more ways than helping you, you probably need to to get out of the situation. And having a business is a good way to get out of those situations because now you're not financially dependent on someone else which i think happens a lot of the time in a lot of uh relationships so to speak so there is no right answer there is no one way out ticket but you do always want to have people in your life who are supportive of you and what you're doing if what you're doing is positive and good for you i will also continue to put that on because there are things that we do that are unhealthy for us and Mm -hmm. then we get upset that when people don't support us and it's like no they're not going to support you because you're making poor choices for yourself so
1: yeah Whew, man, that's a wild one. <laughs> um, I just want to remind you all that we are on all of the social medias. We are on Twitter at Heart Hustle Pod, we are on Instagram and Facebook at Heart and Hustle Podcast. And also, if you feel so inclined, you can leave us a review. Uh, where do we even get reviews
0: nowadays? Apple I like, uh, I don't podcasts, even know. Okay, so if you signed <laughs> up to get the new iPhone 12 the four versions like were announced yesterday you are familiar with the apple line of products there's no longer itunes for podcasts there is an app called apple Podcasts. when you search for a heart plus sign hustle podcast ours comes up it's black and yellow the logo you know it you love it write us a review leave some stars say hey these girls are so cool they just told us how to like not get into destructive relationships and they're going to talk to us about like amazing beauty products in the next interview so do that thing
1: Yes, um, we absolutely love those. They really actually help because they help more people discover the podcast and just kind of like help us cast a wider net so that we can just help more entrepreneurs and creatives and freelancers, you know, live their best life, which is why we're here every week. So we love you guys for being here all the time with us. We're really excited for you to listen to this interview uh, that we have coming up. I definitely learned a lot in it um, and I hope you all like it.
0: All
1: right. Enjoy. See you guys later. So you two like work in a partnership, which is amazing. Angelica and I obviously have a partnership and uh, we both have partnerships in our various businesses. So how did you two end up working in a partnership? And what are some of the biggest challenges and advantages from specifically working in a partnership? So
2: Nora and I basically met while we were working at L'Oreal. And I left, moved from Dubai and went to New York City and worked with L'Oreal for a couple of years. And when I came back, Nora and I reconnected. We were always friends and we knew we wanted to start something in the makeup industry and we wanted to create something that had impact and was meaningful to a lot of women who we saw as just underrepresented and not um, spoken to in the mainstream cosmetics market. And so we came together and we just started brainstorming ideas and we really netted out at this amazing idea of shade M because not only did we see that there was, there were so many women in the world who are underrepresented, um, you know, ethnically diverse women with a special focus on the Muslim female population who we saw as even more underrepresented yet they make up. Um, almost every nationality in the world. If you really think about that, that's crazy. So we knew in, in focusing on this woman and helping to build a brand that spoke to so many ethnicities and, and um, nationalities around the world, we could also speak to the efficacies that all of these women wanted, which was um, clean, halal, vegan, cruelty-free, better for you makeup. And so um, we're super lucky that we came together and did this you know, because we both came from L'Oreal, it made it very easy for us to work together because we have a lot of the same understandings, education, um, and and ways of working. And since we had worked together before, it also made it a lot easier. To be honest, um, I really don't think that Nora and I have fa- faced any challenges that we couldn't work through. So we have definitely faced a lot of challenges as founders because being a founder means just having a lot of moments of. You know what are we doing? Is this the right decision? Um, a lot of challenges that you face from unexpected moments, um, unexpected things, even like COVID. You know how do you handle those things together? So I feel like we're both so lucky because we are always able to address things and be on the same page. And even when we're not, we're we're really great at um, finding the middle ground together. And I think a lot of that has to do with our strong working um, background together and a great friendship. So. You know we're really excited to be doing this together, and I think we both feel so lucky that we've been able to go through this journey together. I don't think either one of us would have made it to where we are now without each other
3: I completely agree i think we've we have a really healthy relationship where we're really friends and we really understand how each uh, of us think, we accept our differences and we are different in so many ways, but at the same time, we kind of share the same vision, and we end up in our our own way reaching the same point um. I think, yeah, we have a really, really healthy one, a very healthy relationship, which honestly turned every challenge into into an opportunity, and um, I I'm, I'm again, I, I love it, I love working with Julie, and um, it's been great so far, and every up, we celebrate together, every down, we support each other, it's, uh, it's this beautiful relationship where we're close, but we're also not like super intimate so there's this less sensitivity i would say about our relationship and then we're also quite mature about it so anything that we don't like we just speak it we speak our mind we t- we, we talk very openly about everything and i think that's the key um secret to to a successful partnership yeah.
0: i love the um the fact that you're saying that you're very honest and open with each other because i think that's the biggest issue with businesses and partnerships, especially having multiple people involved, is that things could get muddled really quickly with not understanding relationships. And so people tend to hold back or they hold a lot of things in and then they end up branding and and everything builds up and then it becomes a big blowout when you guys come to terms. And so I think the biggest thing that people should do is avoid all that by being honest and open and having a space where you guys can be open and honest with each other. And not everyone is built for that. And that is completely okay. And I love that you guys have found what works for you and that you're able to get through the hard times because of that footprint that you've kind of set in in the way for yourselves. So your makeup caters to those who are often overlooked, which we, every person on this call can understand. We we are not the, you know, standard of beauty (laughs) by any means in the Eurocentric eye. Um, So how do you decide to focus? How did you decide to focus on this market?
3: well basically it was um for us it was really just inconceivable to to see that there's over like there's around a billion women in the world that are still misrepresented and underserved in the beauty space and the thing is that their consumption in cosmetics is expected to reach around 95 billion dollars by 2024 so there's it's it's a huge market and being both from from middle eastern uh, descent like Julie has mentioned we've always wondered why few brands represented women like us and so many others both in their visual identity and in their stories, really wanted to see inclusive brands that stopped stereotyping, that were more authentic, that recognized uh, our needs uh, both in communication in ethics, and ethics uh, and also in better for you beauty. So there was a clear gap for us when it came to the ethnic and the, and the Muslim women in general. Um, and, and just to put it in numbers, like the Muslim population is massive, it's around 1.8 billion in the world, it's super young, very connected, very fast growing, um, they have this, the faith still plays a big part in their consumption, um, and if you really think about it, there is no mainstream um, retailer that actually offers a brand that really caters to them. While they're actually really going and shopping there, so we, we decided to 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 have a closer look at uh, at our uh, consumer, and we saw that in general she feels completely misrepresented by the media. She's also very neglected as a consumer. If we take the example of fashion, as an exa- uh, just as an example, if somebody wants to dress modestly, they have to go into ten million places to put to put things together instead of having one brand that really talks to them. Um, it's getting a bit better now, but in general, it's still a, a bit of a hassle. So, and um, and and she she basically wants the world to to see her real identity. She she's definitely demanding the attention of uh, of mainstream brands to cater to her needs. And it is a growing population, and it is so diverse. I mean, we come from different origins. We have different skin tones. We have different cultures. We have all levels of education. We have a huge area of styles. Some dress modestly, some don't. So there's a huge diversity to address, and so many facets to portray. And um, so basically, we applied that to beauty because this is what we, this is where our expertise lies. And we decided to launch a brand that actually really empowers this cultural identity. Um, and we curated che Dem to represent this woman and to address her needs in terms of uh, a product offer, of quality, ethics, and and communication. So was our oh, answer. I
1: love that. And I love how you point out that. And I think that this is something that a lot of businesses and brands that are owned by white people get wrong, is that they think that if they throw in one brown person or one black person, then they have been inclusive. Yeah. That's and they, they think yeah. they're done. And it's like, just like you said, like, there are so many different, like, we run the gambit in like personalities in styles and even in color, in the way that we look and the way our hair is, you know, what colors are going to compliment us. So you really can't just throw one person up and say, Oh, well, I'm done. Like I've done my diversity for the day, especially when these, you know, same campaigns will still have, you know, like five, six, or seven white models who all look different. You get a brunette and a redhead and a blonde or like three blondes. And so, you know, I, I love to see that diversity in different communities um, and you know, you guys are catering to that, which is amazing. Cause like you said, there's literally no one else in the industry doing that right now. Um, so that's amazing. So I noticed that your makeup is free of alcohol. It's, it's Halel certified. It's free of animal product. It's free of animal testing and it's even PETA approved, which is fantastic. So what made you decide to create your products that way specifically? And why was it so important to you to do so?
2: So. The reason we decided to focus on building a brand that spoke to so many different need states around the consumer towards clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and Hadal certified um, was really because we saw, number one, that the overall market worldwide is moving in that direction. Consumers now are so much more aware of what they are using, what's inside of their products, what's inside of their food. You know, um, We're so much more aware that everything we put on our skin is really absorbed, especially when it comes to things that you put on your lips because you're really eating all day and whatever's on your lips is really what you're putting into your body, even more so than everywhere else on your body. Um And so I think that overall worldwide people really care about what's going inside of their beauty products and they're asking and, and demanding better for you beauty. And so seeing that we really believed that we should number one, be halal certified, knowing that we were speaking to a global population of women who not only are underrepresented in the cosmetic space, but also underrepresented in their need state when it comes to product efficacy and um, promises. And so in case you didn't know, halal certified literally means that we are free of um, any alcohol because there's a lot of alcohol that's used in cosmetics products that are not allowed in um, under halal which li- literally means that your makeup products are not as drying so we kicked off with a matte liquid lipstick called muse and that product is really not drying at all even though it's a matte liquid lipstick primarily because there's no alcohol in it um, the second point is that all of the products have to be certified um, halal. So all of the ingredients that are actually used in the products, the manufacturing process has to be actually inspected. We had to send inspectors there to check to make sure that there's no chance of cross-contamination. And the third really important important part is there are a lot of ingredients that are not allowed in halal cosmetics. An example would be pork. Um, You might really be saying, well, what, what, is pork used in, in makeup. And that would be more along the lines of gelatin. So a lot of cosmetics products use gelatin. Um, also really interesting are byproducts of insects. So one example of a byproduct of insect that's commonly used in makeup is something called carmine. Carmine is literally the blood of dead, dried beetles crushed up and used to make red red pigmentation. And it's been used for centuries. It goes back all the way to the time of the um, Egyptians. And it's still being used in today's world. And so we are very much against the usage of animal products overall. And so we are not only Halal certified, but we are vegan, which means that there are no animal byproducts in the cosmetics at all. Plus, we're also cruelty-free. So one thing that's really important to note is that even if a product, if a brand is vegan, it does not mean it's cruelty-free. When a product says that it's cruelty-free and it's certified cruelty-free, it means that they do not do any animal testing of, products, of their products or of the ingredients that are used in their products. So that is the same thing for us. And we went a further step and certified our brand PETA approved um, for vegan and cruelty-free, which means that we genuinely have been on um, audited to make sure that we are definitely adhering to those standards. And again, I would urge you if you are looking for a brand that's vegan and cruelty-free, make sure it's certified by someone. Um, PETA is such a well-respected organization that we really worked with them. And then the third or the fourth thing that we are is clean. And so clean really doesn't have an industry standard anywhere in the world. And so what we decided to do is focus on what Sephora identified as clean because they've really been the leaders of the clean space when it comes to retail. And now Ulta has also recently launched their own clean um, category in terms of what makes a brand clean and what ingredients it's free of. So Sephora has 30 lists of ingredients that you cannot have in your makeup products in order for it to be considered clean. And Shade M follows that. So we're really, really excited about that. Um, And it was so important to us just because we genuinely believe that better beauty is so important. And beyond that, it's not just important. We believe in the quality of the product. So while we are all of these things, halal, vegan cruelty-free and clean, our product is highly pigmented. It is long lasting and it is still good for you. And so that was our biggest point of difference was that when we were looking at these spaces, the product quality levels were not as strong because of all of those promises. And so we wanted to create a product that built that balance between quality and longevity that you would see with any other mainstream major um, cosmetic brands and efficacy. So that's why we really focus on it. And we we believe that it's important to everyone. You know, it's important to us. I think it's important to everyone out there. And we're super excited about it. So amazing. So I've been like a vegan for like a very
1: long time and a vegetarian, like most of my life since I was about like eight. Um, and I actually got involved with PETA when I was eight. So like Definitely, it's always been very important to me to use products that are, you know, free of animal testing or animal products or or uh, byproducts. And, you know, I really didn't wear makeup up until very recently because there was like nothing out there with makeup. And honestly, even with skincare, like it's very, very hard to find. And kind of like you said, even if it says vegan on it, a lot of times when you actually check and look into the company, it's not cruelty free at all. Um, So it'll be like technically a vegan product, but not actually cruelty free. So I love that you are being so uh, transparent about that. And you're writing down like, that's what I love is that like your website has all the very specifics on it rather than just being like clean, organic, healthy, because I feel like a lot of people use those words and people kind of think like, oh, yeah, so they've got to be doing the work. Like it's going to be fine. Um, so I love that you actually spell it out and you're just super, super transparent about it because that's incredibly important.
2: Um, we're, we're so excited about it and it's, and it's something that Nora and I are genuinely both so passionate about. So, so we're happy that we're so happy to find other people who are passionate about the same way we are. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And I'm like, I'm so excited. I can like wear makeup nowadays, because again, like, I mean, I'm so terrible at like applying it because I feel like I'm so behind the curve. But yeah, it's, you know, for a long time, there just really hasn't been um, a lot of, you know, options out there. I actually, I started getting a subscription box um, called Kinder Box or Kinder Beauty Box. And they have, like, it's more skincare than makeup, but they always have, like, stuff in there that's vetted and it's always, like, vegan, cruelty-free, like, you know, 100% stuff that you can trust. So that's kind of how I've been getting to know, like, some brands and getting more into that space because I really – there's just something about, to me, like – wearing like I love like a good bold red lipstick and it just like helps me like get through my day um Mm -hmm. so yeah so I love that you know brands are actually starting to pay attention to that so I I thank you both really truly for you know paving the way
2: and and doing that work amazing we're excited thank
3: you yeah very excited
0: this is I've learned so much as someone who wears zero makeup during this (laughs) podcast I'm, I'm like tell me all of the things
3: We've definitely made it so a that exact, I can shop so for people like my
0: friend Charisma who need yes. these things. So I yes. appreciate you doing that, but also because yeah. our um, area is evolving and changing, we actually have a really large community right near us, like very close by. And so markets are popping up and things, and so it's so important to me when I visit these small businesses and get to know the business owners that I can recommend vendors and people who create products that are for this market. Because to me. I'm all about inclusivity in my area. This area has looked a certain way for too long, and I'm very excited for it to be diverse and more inclusive. And so my part as a person who does business services, but also as a person who vends these businesses, is important to me to just get connected with my community and be able to support my Mm -hmm. business owner friends worldwide. So I can go into these stores and say, hey, have you guys heard of Shade M? Please put this in your store. These women are amazing. They're really working hard, et cetera, et cetera. So I think it's very important for all people to know about businesses for all people, because even if it doesn't in- affect you personally, it affects somebody you love and care about, and you should mm-hmm. be able to share that knowledge with the people around you. So totally yeah, for, for sure. that.
2: We're, and we're totally about you celebrating it and sharing it, and um, and also just like a more inclusive nature across the board. So we love that you're also so that you're pioneering that and passionate about in your own local space, because I think that that's where it starts, you know? Yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, for sure. There's like a a little, like a little market, like a little store, a little food place that just opened up across from us right at the beginning, like the beginning of the year and um, in a space that used to like, there's just Starbucks and, and, you know, big box brands that are near them. And we were like day one customers there talking to the family, family owned, obviously. And then COVID happened. And they had to close yeah. for a very, very long time. And so every week I was like, are they still open? Can they still get, can we get the shawarma? Like herself?" And open. I just want to make sure they're okay. Cause it was, it's such yeah. an expensive area to rent in. And yeah. so I understand the pitfalls because it is a tourist destination. So there is opportunity there. But locally, people are people, you know, we mm-hmm. are in an area, we are in a political climate where people are a little bit more whatever. And so it was important to me that this business stays open and they are still open. So I'm so excited they're still open. And I went in and we were like, we're back, we're here, we're here day one and, and everything. So totally yeah. important to me.
2: Oh, I'm so happy to hear.
0: Yeah, yeah it's pretty amazing. Say, I'm
2: like, I'm happy to hear that they that they have made it through COVID. Yes. I know yeah. COVID is impacting so many people's businesses.
0: Oh, for sure. So do you guys have a favorite product that you have created so far? And if you do, why is it your favorite? I know it's hard to pick your favorite children, but we're, we're making you do that. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, for us, it's going to be quite easy because um, so far we've only launched one line, uh, which is a range of 15 shades of liquid lipstick that we called Muse. Uh, we've Obviously, we've developed more products, but we didn't launch them yet. Um, and I would say one thing that Julie and I are really obsessed about is creating... Product that we both love. Uh, first, in terms of uh, formulation, in terms of payoff, communication, packaging. Um, like, and in, in the case of the liquid lipstick that we've done so far, the formula is just like really. I would I would call it really like um, in par, if not better than what's available in the market. Um, it's not only because it's clean, halal, vegan friendly, and cruelty free, but it's also because it's extremely pigmented. Um, I mean, I'm I'm so proud from uh, of the work that we've done because we've managed to keep our USPs, but we've also did not lose anything. We didn't compromise quality at all. So the products are very pigmented. They're very long lasting. They're non-drying. They're also transfer proof, which I think is very mm-hmm. important these days when everybody's wearing masks. So it's actually quite a big plus for, for now. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, it's been—I mean, it's our first baby. I would say so. It is our favorite, and um, and when it comes to packaging, for example, the packaging design was was another passionate experience because we've collaborated with artists. We've collaborated as well uh, with uh, with with the community to finalize the shades, the names. So it's it's been an experience where it's not us just creating a product for. For people like us, it's, it's honestly we've created a blind with people like us, which is amazing. Uh, we've asked, for example, uh, a few influencers to pick uh, to pick between shades, to ask her followers to pick the name. Uh, so there's a there's a good uh, involvement of uh, of people in the brand. Um and yeah, and yeah, I think we love the fact that we made it with people who love to wear the brand, and this is like kind of a piece of everyone. There's a piece of everyone in this line. Um, we don't so we, we both have different favorite shades though, so I don't know if um if it's something to mention, but uh, I'm more uh I'm personally in love with the reds. I love reds, and uh, Jolie is more into nudes, so we, in the development process we we were also quite split in terms of, you know, I'll take care of the darker shade, you take care of the nudes, and um, um, it was like a nice teamwork uh, to, to really do to, to, to do everything. Um, my favorite shade would be, is NAR, it's called NAR, it's number two. It means actually, Arab, in Arabic, it mm-hmm. means fire, and it's a great, uh, yeah, uh, it's a great description of the depth and, and warmth of the undertone of this shade and it's also mixed with the like the vibrance of the top layer. So actually if you wear it it, it it's a darker kind of red, but it's also quite bright like with the mm-hmm. la- right balance. And um, I think I would call it the, the red that fits all skin tones. And and Jolie did an amazing job on the nudes. Um, yeah, since she she's really Yes, I, like a big I am. I nudes. have a I have a sick obsession with nudes
2: and I would say that one thing that we did differently with all, all of our products but especially the nudes is that and I, we had this comment from someone else recently, and I thought it was so perfect because it, it aligned to exactly why we created the nudes the way we did. When we created our nudes, we really thought about all of the women that we were targeting and we wanted to create this brand for. And the, the underlying factor is a lot of the women that we were speaking to really have brown undertones in their skin versus brown and yellow versus um, more of a pink. So if you're if you're a lighter if you're a little bit lighter and a little bit more um, a lighter skin tone you tend to maybe have more pink undertones. If you have any kind of olive in your existence, there is going to be more yellow and brown undertones. And so what we did with the nudes is we and with all the products, but especially the nudes, was we really made sure that the undertone usage of our products worked for people with olive and yellow undertone skin, which is not as common in cosmetics as you would think and so it tends to be they all tend to be very versatile for all skin tones but from the darkest to the lightest with these yellow and brown undertones in them and so that was really like a big part of our development process um I would say that so that was a big driving factor for us and frankly like every single person that tries our nudes is like oh my god I found my shade like we you know so so that we're very excited about that
1: I'm excited yeah, to try the nudes because, like, yep. I don't wear nudes a lot, but I think it's just because, like, I have no idea how to find one and I haven't found one that, like, quite fits. So that's very exciting to hear, like, the process that went behind that. Also, the fact that they're non-drying because I feel like anytime that I find, like, a good anything for my lips that has a strong pigment, it's like super drying. So being in Florida, like that's a very, very important thing to have stuff that, you know, kind of like locks in that moisture because the heat out here
2: is real. Yeah. When you do try them, I would say the first one you should try because it actually, it's definitely our best-selling nude and it's very versatile across skin tones is one called Des Rose. And we named it, after the after literally a desert rose, so very inspired from the the desert roses that are created in the sand, and the back from a little bit of the the Middle Eastern world. Um, so that would be my my recommendation as our as our best selling nude.
1: Well, speaking of inspiration, that takes us right into my next question, which is, where do you find inspiration for the products that you create? Because I I have no idea coming from a place where I've never ever you know, created uh, makeup before, like, what what is it that you look for when you're pulling together the ideas for these products?
2: Yeah, this is so love this question. So first of all, in terms of um, in terms of overall inspiration, the starting place is always who we wanted, wanted to create this brand for. And so partially, it's coming from Nora and I knowing a lot about cosmetics. But the other side of it is really knowing the women that we have created and designed shade M for. So that's always the core of our inspiration and it's our starting point. And then from there, we really look at, um, again, what are the need states and what's sort of happening and evolving in the cosmetics world. So um, we started off with matte liquid lipsticks because for a couple of reasons. One part was that um, actually, A lot of women are very willing to try a new makeup product when it comes to lipsticks because you tend to have quite a few of them and you're willing to try new colors and shades and be a little bit more open-minded to testing something that you might not have tried before. Um, The other part of it was also because when you think about what goes on your lips, you're actually consuming, right? So when when you think about why a product should be clean, halal, vegan, cruelty-free, It's because you're ingesting a lot of what you're putting in your body. So knowing that what you're putting on your lips, if you put lipstick on at the beginning of the day and it's gone by the end, where did it go? It's coming off maybe on some of the things that you're touching with your lips, but a lot of it is going inside of your mouth as you're eating, as you're drinking. And so going back to this idea of better for you beauty and making sure that what you're eating and consuming is actually better for you. This is why we really wanted to start with lipsticks as well. So that was our that was our initial driving force for kicking off with matte liquid lipsticks. Um, the other the other products as we develop, we we definitely are looking at um, multi usage products because we know that everyone wants to have. Better quality products in their bag that they can use across their face versus only in one area of their face. So that's been something that we're really working on as well, and we're really excited about. But I would also say the other arm of that is pulling people. So you know, we work a lot with the community that we've built on our social media platforms. We're constantly asking women, what are and asking the women and men who engage our social media platforms, like, what are you looking for? testing out new products as we come up with them and saying, hey, like, would this be something you're excited about? What colors would you like to see? You know, um, is there something you feel like there's just not enough of available to you right now? Like, tell us what it is. And so really using our our community to hear their needs and to reflect those.
0: I think that's so important because one, I think understanding the process behind that things aren't just like pretty and it's easy to do sometimes when people going into our next question soon when people want to get into an industry they see it seems so easy on face value especially with social media and there's not a lot of talk about the the process that goes behind the thinking that goes behind things and so i like interviews and having these podcasts and in-depth you know and documentaries with people who are in different industries that way i can understand the thinking behind it because there is so much involved and it's not just waking up one day and now you've created like 12 different matte lipsticks like that didn't happen <laughs> you know what I mean like it was it was a lot of work and so uh being able to share that with our listeners is helpful because there are people who do want to try different things but I think it's important for every and we try to do a range of businesses so that people can understand that there is a lot of thinking behind each individual company and so there is no like oversaturation in the market to me I just I kind of hate that word like I'm like I don't want to talk about it I plug my ears if you have a good idea if you're into it if you're inspired by something start the thing and do the thing like don't let the noise Mm -hmm. of the world drown you out from starting the thing that you are passionate about doing agreed so what advice do you have for people who are looking to break into the beauty industry, especially as, like I said before, people are consistently like, don't do it. It's oversaturated. It's so hard, et cetera, et cetera.
3: <laughs> well, the, the reality is, okay. I know you're not a big fan of the word saturated, but the, the, the space is extremely saturated and it's extremely competitive, but it's also like extremely agile. Like, so I agree. If you do have the passion and if you have, if you go into a space that you feel there's a gap, if you have a real competitive advantage in terms of product offer, in terms of communication, if you can spark uh, something in your consumers, in your retailers, in your investors, just do it. If you feel there's, there's a gap, then fulfill it. But if you just want to start a makeup brand because you like makeup, it's going to be a really tough, uh, even if you're passionate about it, you have to also be realistic of the environment and of um, the million brands that already exist. You really need to find a niche and then you really have to tackle it. Um, this, um, this, is, this would be basically the first thing to look at um the second thing is once you've found the sweet spot um i would say our advice would be to make sure that your communication is not only like brand centric or consumer centric but also like add to it this um i would say maybe human centric approach um like to consider the every person as a as a person as a whole and not just as a makeup consumer so when it comes to the discussion that you're having with them on social media etc it's not just about tutorials and how to apply this and look at this product and blah, blah. It's also about, okay, what do you guys do? What is your uh, like different moments of their, of their lifestyle, um, important moments in the end their lives, having, I don't know, it could be having a baby. It could be a celebration of, um, of any, um, uh, I don't know, any kind of, kind of holidays. It, it It has to be more personal and it has to be, Considering every person as a whole and not just as a consumer, um, so yeah, and and that would be the second advice. And then last but not least is it's I mean it's something that's very uh, appropriate to the current uh, environment, which is like, like make sure that your timing is right. Um, your brand or your message is 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 one little piece of a puzzle, and it's like the reality is very complex. Uh, we will never succeed if the timing is wrong and because the market will never follow. So there's always like, I would say those are the three factors to consider, which is like, find the gap, be human centric and yeah, but make sure that you're launching at the right timing. As an example, like if somebody came with a clean offer, like, I don't know, 30 years ago, I don't know if people would actually be really like, They'll be like, okay, what is it? Not sure if they will care. Maybe they would, but maybe they won't. Um, so there's always about something about okay, what is the market ready for in terms of messages? That would be yeah. It, I completely I agree.
1: Like I'm always because you know I work with a lot of like young and and or new business owners, and I'm always telling them like look for the need in the market. Like look for what it is that people need. Yeah. Or where that demand is because that's where you're going to have a better chance of striking gold. Um, So yeah, even in an oversaturated market, if there's a lot of people that are demanding a specific type of product or specific type of service, if you have a lot of people wanting that, then getting into that market could still mean success for you, especially if you position your brand right and offer something that no one else is offering, you're going to be, yeah, putting yourself in a really good position. So When it it comes to the future of your business and what you guys have going on next, what sort of things are you looking forward to? I know you just launched like the one line so far because you guys have just um, started this year. So what are you looking forward to most um, when it comes to the future and where can our listeners follow along and learn more about your business?
2: So in terms of what we're looking forward to as we grow I think one thing that we're really excited about is adding more products to our um, to our family of shade M and to all the things that we're creating and continuing to create those products with uh, with all of our Fans and followers and 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 um, and family that we've created around Shadem as a group of people who are really excited about what we're doing with the brand. So that I would say is our number one exciting hope for the future of our business. The other thing that we're really, really um, wanting to create, and it's so important to us, and it's one of the reasons we created Shadem, is that we really want to position Shadem in mainstream retail. Because one of our biggest qualms with what's happening right now in the world of cosmetics is that. When you go into a makeup store, there are are a lot of brands in there, which is amazing, but not all of the brands speak to the needs of every woman that's out there. And so we don't think it's fair that if you're looking for something like halal or even clean, for that matter, with pigmentation, you're entering into a beauty store right now, and you don't have that opportunity to purchase those brands inside of that space. And that's where you're shopping. So we don't believe that anyone should not be able to find what their needs are inside of a mainstream retailer that they're going to buying their cosmetics from now. We want it to be inclusive, not exclusive. And so that's really a huge part of what we're trying to drive, because inclusivity isn't just about representation within a brand, um, visual identity, product efficacy. It's also about availability where everyone else shops. And if it's not there, then are you really being inclusive as a retailer and as a community space to these women? And that is a huge part of our hope and our dream is that One day, every woman will walk into a store or go onto their dot com retail space of that of that store and be able to find a product that is definitely inclusive of her. Um, And then I would say the last thing is really just um, continuing to to grow and to build a community of women and men for that matter, who feel like they are represented and who we continue to speak to through, um, through our social platforms, through our through our website and through any other um, events and experiences that we're able to create with the brand. And so to add to your question of where can they follow our journey and be part of it, we would love it if everyone followed us on Instagram, which is where we're the most active in terms of our product development and building of our community. And our, we're at Shade M Beauty, and we also have a TikTok account. So if you're excited by that, it's also at Shade and Beauty. Um, and then, of course, we also have YouTube and Facebook, which you can tap into. Everything is at Shade and Beauty. And we would love it if you continue the journey with us and help us to grow and give us your feedback and thoughts and comments because that is really how we believe a brand is built in today's time. It's not about just Noor and I and what our, vi- our view and mission is, it's about what all of your wants and desires are. I love that so much.
3: And I would. I would add one thing, which is basically, if they want to see the full range of the products, they can visit the website, which is www.shadeandbeauty.com. Um, this is where all the new launches will be, uh, like RN will be uh, displayed. Yay, I love that
1: so much, and I love that you said, like, "Hey, reach out to us, let us know your thoughts, give us your feedback," because I, I just really love being able to have like a bit of access to the brands and the businesses that I'm supporting. Like I've always been really big on that and knowing what they're about. So I love that you guys have been like so transparent today for our listeners. That's amazing. And all of our listeners go head to their brands right now, follow them, check them out and go order yourself some products. Yeah. We love it.